At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It was two years since I had heard from him. And what I was like, what, what do you mean? Why? Why? What? Why did I move on? Why was that the last time? Why am I in a new relationship? Why did I move to a new city? Why do I have a new career? Like, it's just like my whole life is different. Like, why? Yeah, exactly. Is everything in me wanted to write that back. But I also knew the sick satisfaction he was going to get from any mm-hmm. response from me. Hey there, gals. Hey there, gals. And welcome back to another episode of The Gals Guide. We are a dating and lifestyle podcast. I'm Hannah. I'm the crippling independent. And I'm Emily. I'm the crippling codependent. (laughs) And welcome (laughs) Welcome to to our our podcast. podcast. So we have some tragic news in the studio today. Ladies, I'm taking a day off. Please, no phone calls, no text. I have officially, I am officially lashless. Well, you still have some lashes. I like, still you have, have my your like, actual real lashes, lashes but uh, they're kind of short. This has been a public service Guys, announcement. Public service announcement uh, for myself. I have, you know, after I've been getting my lashes, um, lash extension since November, and all of a sudden in the month of February, Satan just wanted to um, no. give me an allergic reaction. Satan himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. The devil. But, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. So I've developed an allergy, guys, to lash glue. Honestly, I'm not surprised. Um, honestly, I'm not either. Oh, and yeah. I, uh, and I'm, honestly? I'm really salty about it because <laughs> my confidence today went from like a 10 to a 6. Oh my God. And I'm just like, Ugh, now I can't like run to the store without makeup on. Like that was the beauty I mean, of you, it. You, you can. Yes, but like, <laughs> but like being confident about it and like being like, I still look fire because, you know, your mask covers everything but your eyes. So now my, my mask is going to cover everything but my eyes. You can see my stubby eyelashes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really sad about it. I'm going to take a break for a while. I might try again in the spring. It probably will do the exact same thing, but my eyelashes just need a break. And I feel I'm so like you'll sad. Like, probably do it again and just be like, fuck it. I'm going to suffer through it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or I might just like try to grow them with a serum and then do like a lash lift. Um, but yeah, I'm really bummed. Uh, so if you notice, don't tell anyone. Oh my God. <laughs> You're acting like we, someone died. <laughs> they did. RIP. Literally RIP to I'll my lash extensions. I'll play sad violin for you. There you go. Yeah. Um, so Nate Archibald's an asshole. For those of you who have, like, no idea about, like, 
what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about Chase Crawford himself. God, I wish I was talking about Chase Crawford himself. I would love to like go on a date with Chase Crawford. Um, but there was a guy that I had like chatting with, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Uh, and there was a potential for a date to happen. And did it happen? I don't know. Um, Either way, regardless, homeboy was an asshole and just had no manners whatsoever. There will definitely never be a second date. Um, Like, it's just so awkward, I think, when you have, like, a really bad, like, experience like that. And you just... The fact that we have mutual friends as well, too. Like, first off, we all should have known that... It wasn't going to work out because I am a Dan Humphrey kind of girl. This is very true. <laughs> this is very true. You're a Dan Humphrey. I'm a Chuck Bass. Like, like but there's, yeah. Like, literally, my type is Dan Humphrey. Mm-hmm. The artsy guys yep. that live in Brooklyn mm-hmm. that look like they need a shower and mm-hmm. they're pretentious as fuck. Yeah, mine's mm. Chuck Bass. Like, used to be an asshole, but, like, really turns into a good guy. So. For you only. Yeah, for me only. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's why you're Blair and I'm Serena. It, it literally, literally, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah. But. So, um. Um, that's what I get yeah. for trying to date um, on the friends? upper, you know, oh, well, on the friends, upper east but side. on the upper east side. I'm going yeah. to stick to my Brooklyn roots. I'm going to stick yeah. to my artsy boys. Um, because just, in, oh my God, like I had just was flabbergasted and I was showing you the text messages like afterwards and everything. Yeah. It was, I, I don't even know how to describe it. He just, I guess he thought we were like more closer and more comfortable then um i kind of let on or anything like that like Mm -hmm. we i even though we had like mutual friends we had only talked like once like in person prior to us hanging out and everything and so we get there and like it's all fine like while we're there together and everything like that like we were supposed to basically go get coffee like but instead he brought me coffee and so then we just like hung out in this park and like walked and everything and was like really awkward like I was like leading most of the conversation and I don't like it when I had to do that because I mean I know I love to talk hello we have a podcast um you guys Fair. are very evident and aware of it <laughs> but like on a date I just don't like it when I'm doing all the talking and I'm leading the whole conversation and it just feels like I'm trying to like muster like anything yeah. out of it and it was just all small talk and I hate small talk on top of that like first date let's get into like your biggest traumas and insecurities Emily's like goes from like zero to a hundred at a I'm, first date like. literally my favorite first date would be just playing we're not really strangers <laughs> all right suitors did you hear that <laughs> like let's get some pizza let's play we're not really strangers let's get into it um, but i noticed how much i was like fake laughing too like it was not any Ooh, genuine laughter yeah i don't think he actually made me laugh like once well then um, that's not it because like you're funny you need someone who's also either ha- at least has a sense of humor mm-hmm Mm-hmm. But also, like, it's funny. And then if you saw on my Instagram story, <laughs> if you follow me on Instagram, um, basically got me sushi. Like, uh, we went back to his apartment, and he got sushi and everything. First off, the sushi was from Whole Foods. It was not from an actual sushi restaurant. Meh. <laughs> so, I was like, mm, I, and I think he was like, trying to play it off like it wasn't actually from, um, like, Whole Foods, because I went to the trash can, and there was definitely boxes, um, like, the containers of the sushi. Totally called him out. <laughs> It's like, all right, dude. Like, I was like, cool. At least it was Whole Foods and not like Food Lion. Yeah. But still. Does Food Lion sell sushi? Yes, I've purchased it before. It's not great. I I, highly don't recommend. I highly don't recommend (laughs) it. 
it's like the same kind of like I feel like it's like, like Harris Teeter sushi's better. I I, I mean like, like I think it's a that quick, it was Whole like, Foods. Yeah, because like, like at least quick, it's like organic. Yeah, you know? but if it's like a quick like need something for lunch at work, but like, like for at least a, it wasn't Seven Eleven sushi. But like for a date, yeah. I was, the thing is also Whole Foods in our town is right across the street from a sushi restaurant. <laughs> That has very good sushi, might I add. Very good sushi. So it's like, mm, you couldn't have just like hopped, skipped, and jumped over to like Mizu and got some? Okay, it's fine. fine. That's fine. Um, And again, thought maybe conversation would be better because you're in your own home. You're Mm -hmm. in your like place of comfort. Yeah. Uh, No. So at one point, um, I posted a photo like of the sushi like on Instagram story. Was it to make another person jealous? maybe it didn't really work in my favor um it's fine (laughs) but i I went up to go to the bathroom and at one point um my co-workers were messaging me and being like oh my god how's it going i'm like it's i'm dead like it's awful like it's the worst (laughs) i want to leave i want to leave and they're like we'll call you (laughs) like i was like it's fine so like i ended up just leaving cutting it really early like probably the shortest date i've ever been on uh and and then he was just, like, texting me, like, afterwards and everything. Because, like, while we were on the date, like, we were, like, shooting a couple of, like, photographs and everything. And he, like, was basically, like, insulting, like, my photography skills. And I was just like, mm, sir, I'm a professional photographer. Like, how dare you? Um, so, yeah, just didn't really vibe. Uh, and it was shocking because he was a Scorpio. Hmm. And, like, we know I like Scorpios. Yes. But again, like, I don't know. It was just a really bad, really awkward, not the true Nate Archibald that I thought he was going to be. Mm. Um, definitely not Chase Crawford by any stretch of the means. Uh, no. So, no, that's um, really bummy. I'm so sorry that happened. Yeah. I, I'm going to stick to the Dan Humphreys yeah. in my life. Let's just um, stick to the grungy Brooklyn mm-hmm. dudes who yeah, are artsy. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. all we need. Mm-hmm. If I could actually date Penn Badgley, that would also be amazing. Um, but he's married in real life. Well, he could be unmarried, you know. We can make that happen. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Always. I'm just going to turn into his character from you. <laughs> Which I need that show to come yeah, back like, out. What are we doing? Like, come on. Come on. We know there's a baby. Like, we got to get we gotta get going. Like, come on now. I am so pumped. Like, you know I'm going <sighs> to binge watch that whole like season when it yes. comes out yes oh god yeah yeah we should watch it and just do an episode on you <laughs> like i it's because it's a show like dissecting you, it like, i mean I'm yeah serious. because like it's a show that literally like and pim badgley's talked about it so much about how like there's so many girls are like oh my god like i love what's this character's name again you would ask me and i cannot oh, remember god. it's not love because that's the girl oh yeah his character yes Joe. Joe. Penn Badgley's talked a lot about how he'll, like, get tweets and stuff like that from girls being, like, I would let Joe stalk me or whatever. And it's just, like, to the point where, like, you're falling in love with a guy who is a murderer and a stalker. He's not a good guy. Like, like he's actually terrible. He is the villain of the show. But it's hard not to love him. I know, because... And it's hard not to love love. Because you fucking had Penn Badgley playing him and Victoria Peretti playing fucking uh, love. Mm -hmm. Two of the most beautiful people in the entire world. Yeah. 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 It's really hard. Yeah. I'm so excited, though. Me too. Um, That and Stranger Things, I'm like, let's get it. Oh, my God. Let's get it. Let's get it. Yes. (laughs) But speaking of Captivations... Yes. Um... Both of our captivations are television shows. They are. Yeah. They you want to go with yours first? Yeah, I mentioned it last week that it should have been my captivation last week, so it's just going to be my captivation this week. But The Queen's Gambit. I got on the trend. At first, I was like, I'm not going to be into this show about chess. Like, I've never won. I used to play checkers. I mean, like, that was the whole... So I know a little bit about 
Yeah. I never actually watched. I've yeah. watched like one episode of Queen's Gambit. I do know that the creator of the show, um, it took a long time for them to get it um, on the air because a lot of people said no one's going to watch a show about chess. And now it's it like one of the number one shows like, on Netflix. It, it was just so captivating in I think the a lot weirdest Anna, way. Anna Taylor-Joy is amazing. Yes, she's incredible but just like the story Mm -hmm. like an orphan girl learning how to play chess from the janitor Mm -hmm. and then like turning into this like international chess player like it it was just like is it based on a true story i don't know that's a great question i'm not sure but um there were parts of it that were like a little slow but the storyline itself was just so good and it like touches on like addiction and like leaving a spouse and like there's just a lot of like just there's a ton of storylines within the main storyline and it just it was just so phenomenal phenomenally done i i was like i can't believe i'm watching this now i want to learn how to play chess so i used anyone to know knows how to play, how to play i used to know how to play I, I know i remember the rules of it i just haven't played in forever to like, I was like be good i can knock over your king and queen and you don't want to you don't want to knock over the queen i was like, like i don't i don't really know but it, it was a great <laughs> show um i'm really late really late to watching it because everyone was like talking about it like months ago i feel like yeah. but um worth the time you should watch it. I think you'd like it. So. I've watched a couple episodes, but there's so many things that I'm watching right now. Yeah. Like, when you're not watching something, you should go I'm back and watch I'm always watching that. something. When you're not watching something that you like, <laughs> go watch it. Like, if you start something, like, eh. Eh. But, uh-huh. yeah, it was really, really good. So Good. What about you? I have also been obsessed with another Netflix series. It's like a mini docu-series. Um, and half of you guys probably have watched it. Half of you guys probably haven't. Um, it's Pretend It's a City. Uh, it is about Fran Lebowitz. Uh, and if you have no idea that who that is, that's fine. Uh, I'm just a pretentious fucker. Um, I, <laughs> oh my gosh. I know that I'm pretentious, okay? I went to fucking film school. Yeah, I went I to mean, a conservatory art school for film. Yeah, you're pretty pretentious. I am pretentious as fuck i'm very aware of it it's okay um, though that's why we love you that's why we keep you around like I literally that's the thing like with the, on that nate archibald date like i tried to talk about film theory and things like yeah, that and like it just wasn't going anywhere. he was he was like mentioning like fucking other things i'm like i you have n- no idea he's like into like lord of the rings game of thrones and i'm like oh i want to talk about 400 blows in the french new wave cinema yeah like we're not vibing here we're not vibing sir <laughs> So, yeah, um, if you're pretentious like me, um, basically, like, if you're really into literature and film, you will love it. Um, it starts Fran Lebowitz, who is a famous writer. She has done a lot of different columns for various um, magazines growing um, and her career. She's also written a couple of books. Um, I really want to get one of her latest books that she's had. But, um, yeah, she's really a famous, honestly, for her opinions. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She, <laughs> she showed me the trailer them. and I was dying. I yeah. was like, this is so funny. Well, a lot of the essays that she wrote and like the different columns she had in different magazines were opinion based um, or she was reviewing like B films and like different um, magazines and uh, it's directed uh, and starring Martin Scorsese who is an amazing and very critically acclaimed director you probably know who, who he is like from Taxi Driver the Irishman Wolf of Wall Street etc uh, one of the true like auteur um, cinema directors that's still left uh, and I agree with him about the whole Marvel film th- uh, film <laughs> Um, basically, Martin Scorsese like hates Marvel films and thinks that it's ruining cinema. Um, I don't think it's ruining cinema. He just doesn't consider it cinema, and I like completely agree with that. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I and my best friends and talking to somebody who is obsessed with Marvel, maybe. Um, but it's fine. We. <laughs> 
We tend to disagree. Listen, on lots I like Spider Man. I like. I just started watching WandaVision. Okay, like I need to yeah. get some break a little bit. You gotta like tiptoe in. But regardless, I think it's still a really great um, like docu series, especially if you're like wanting like a refreshing, like lighthearted kind of thing to watch. You really love film. You love literature, and you love New York City because that's what a lot of it's about. Is um, like Fran Lebowitz's life in New York City because if New York City was a person I it feel like it's her, her. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> absolutely um, so that's why I've been watching it mainly just for the escapism of New York City and then just to like be with my fellow pretentious artists there um, you have it <laughs> well, I definitely want to watch it just because it looks hilarious so. yeah and then like you just get to see like so many different sites yeah. around New York and everything like that because like I wish I was there I know Ugh. low-key like at night I have literally um I think it's called drive and listen.com and we're like it's a dude who drives around like these different like huge cities and like you can put the radio on or you can like do no radio and just have the ambiance sound mm-hmm. and it's just him driving around for like five hours oh my gosh um and these different like big cities like yeah. around the world and um i've been watching like, the new york one to fall asleep at night that's so funny the sound of new york traffic i know i miss new york like very much so yeah but my, trust me, my parents, they watch like um, this travel vlogger dude who just walks around New York City. It's just like different parts, like on a fucking scooter. That's like, awesome. They just watch it for the fucking ambiance of New York. I it's ridiculous. It. But I think it's so funny. <laughs> you can you not see my mother doing that, yeah, honestly. 100%. For yes, real. Yes. But before we get into today's episode, we do have a very special guest um, today. We have Allie Ringer from the Recovery Podcast. Uh, it is a codependent recovery podcast um, where she's like interviewing different people who have struggled with codependency and toxic relationships, gaslighting, manipulation, all that kind of thing. And we're going to be talking with her today. You guys really loved the codependency episode that we did the first time where I kind of shared my experience. It was basically like Hannah interviewing me a little yep. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to do another episode with somebody else who kind of had a little bit more knowledge, who was working like clinically like with people who um, struggle with this. So she had a vast range of different stories with her clients, and she's also a recovering codependent herself. And so she's been through therapy. She's been through different trials. And she is now, like, helping to empower women to, like, kind of break the cycle that they've been in and um, just heal themselves and do better. So we're so excited to have her on today. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, we do have a couple of little housekeeping things. So make sure you're following us on our Instagram at the Gals Guide Pod and also on our TikToks. Um, All of that will be in the show notes. We do also have a secret Facebook group, the Gal Scouts. Make sure you guys are in that because, like, we wanted to start doing a little bit more things in there. Um, And it's free. It's simple. Just go on Facebook, type in the Gals Guide, and it'll be on the first thing on the Facebook page. Yeah, you can can, uh, join it, answer some questions, and we'll let you guys in. Um, It's a really great way if you want to be able to talk to us, like, more one-on-one kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's a great place to do that at. Yep. And then make sure you subscribe, rate, and review us. Um, we love reading them, and they really do help us out. Alrighty, guys. So joining us over Zoom today, we have the founder of Recovery Life Coaching and the Recovery Podcast. She's also a published writer on trauma and relationships and considers herself a recovering codependent. Everyone, please welcome Allie Ringer. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. I actually found you through our previous guest uh Kirsty Taylor yeah. uh and Kirsty are good friends so that's awesome I yeah. saw you guys posted that today and I was like how exciting yeah we we loved having her on and I saw 
I think she like shared your podcast like when you announced it um on her Instagram story and that's how I saw it and I was like oh my god this girl's perfect we've been wanting to do like another episode similar to this and just like really dive deep into it because when we first did a codependency episode it was mainly me kind of telling my Hannah basically interviewing me and me telling like my story and everything but we wanted to get someone else's viewpoint of it that was not just me and could give more background information and just you had a lot more questions too about it and just wanted to get more understanding Mm -hmm. of it so we were really excited to see that you literally came up with a whole like podcast and like brand around this but yeah I wanted to see um if you could like just tell us like a little bit about your story like with it and you know just kind of dive into like why you do what you do and yeah totally yeah so my story with codependency specifically I'll start there because recovery came after that piece, Mm -hmm. um, came when I was about 26, I'm 29 now. So about three years ago, I was in a relationship from the time I was 12 until 26 on and off. Um, (laughs) yeah, talk about codependence at a young age, (laughs) like childhood codependence. Like we don't talk about that, but it it, it exists. It's a real thing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's a real thing. So just like completely head over heels in love with this person um, to make like plot twist even crazier. We lived four hours away from each other. And you know, when you're that young, you, you don't drive. So like we were just very on and off because long distance, um, there was an age difference. He was two years older. We would date other people, but stay head over heels in love. He had a lot of mental health issues. So from a very young age, he struggled with self-harm and suicidal Mm -hmm. ideations. um, And I became his safekeeper. So I very early in, you know, my adult life and even before that, obviously, teenage years became his safekeeper. Um, and that went all the way through to the very last time we spoke. And the last time we spoke was when I was 26 and he had a suicide attempt. We were not together at this point, but I had just seen him like two weeks prior because we were still playing that on and off game that a lot of people in codependency fall into and you can't just break that trauma bond. And he told me I tried to kill myself and it was because of you. Um, and that was the first time where he had blamed me that directly he had often Mm -hmm. threatened but never like I'm in the hospital I tried to kill myself it's your fault like what would be my last what would be the last time and um I never knew what that was gonna be and then when I got that phone call I knew that was the last time because if he let's say he would have been successful or if he was if we would have kept playing the on and off game and he was successful and I I knew I couldn't live with myself um, with that being even just what he thought it was. I knew that I wasn't truly the root of his mental health issues, but I was like, if he's to the point where I'm getting blamed, I can no longer do this for my own sake any longer. Yeah. So I basically went on a huge self-healing journey um, that involved uh, getting involved in CODA, so Codependence Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And I think that was truly my lifeline for the rest of my life. Um, And I loved that program. I got my two-year chip in it, and I've kind of departed ways with it since then. But recovery came about because I wanted to create a program for women who are struggling with codependent relationships or toxic relationships, really toxic cycles of their own that they can't break free of to give them a resource so that they don't have to walk that journey alone. Because if someone would have come to me sooner, I wish that I 
would have met them um, and not had to play that game for as many years as I did because it's a really painful path. And so, yeah, I've just created recovery to kind of shed light on the healing process, the recovery process, and be there for other women who find themselves in the same boat. So that's the story in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome though. That's awesome. I mean, trust me, I can personally like relate to wanting, wishing someone would have been there kind of thing and just trying to break the cycle. Um, You witness it a lot firsthand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel for all the friends too, you know, because now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm like, yeah, your, your friends and family kind of get dragged through it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I was thankful that when, so my ex, uh, was who we call the doctor on, um, our show, he was like the relationship that I feel like kind of just triggered, not even just triggered it, but it made me realize these issues in myself because yeah. it was something that I'd always like kind of struggled with. Totally. And, uh, because he was literally like a class A, like narcissist, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And he had very similar relationships to like yours where his previous girlfriends, like two of them, I think like threatened suicide and everything. And so I was like, I never got to that point, um, thankfully. Uh, But it's when I really found out what codependency was. And luckily when I started dating him, I was already in therapy. And so my therapist was with me through the breakup. That's amazing that you had that resource. It was literally (laughs) like a miracle because I don't know what I would have done if I had not had her. Um, but so did you start to realize that you like had these issues, like, like during that relationship or was it more like after the relationship kind of ended? Um, I think I knew it during, I didn't know the name for it. So I didn't yet call it codependency. So I desperately wanted to stop the cycle me and him were in. So Mm -hmm. I had identified there was a cycle. I often called it grasping. So that's still a term that I feel like when I look back, that's what I was doing. I was just grasping for answers and whether that answer was breaking up with him and letting it be the final time or us finally getting our shit together and being in a healthy relationship together or fixing him or making things okay. I was just like free falling through life and grasping at anything and everything I could to try to stop the cycle. Um, and so, yeah, I did not know it was codependency until I just started deep diving on the internet. I would Google search like, is this abuse? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, now I know he was a covert narcissist, did not know that then, but I would Google search like, is this normal? Is this how people should treat people? You (laughs) know, I was like very confused by it and trying to make sense of my own life. And eventually somewhere along the way I found codependency and I was like, yep, Yep. Yep. Like this mm-hmm. is starting mm-hmm. to explain my life. And then I went to my first meeting and I just got really brave in that moment. And I decided to speak. And I, like, as soon as I opened my mouth, I just started bawling, crying because mm-hmm. it was the first time I had, it was an all women's group, which I think was very well, needed for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. So they had already pretty much shared their stories and they like set aside time at the end for newcomers they're like would a newcomer like to speak and like very you know terrified raise my hand and I don't even remember what I said I blacked it out but I just cried and told my story and I had never felt so much um understanding mm-hmm. for exactly what I was going through like every woman was nodding their head like I was not crazy whereas like you know friends and family get it but also they don't they're like yeah leave 
you're better than this. You deserve more. And everyone can tell you that all day, but when you're in the midst of that codependency, it's, you know, it's not what you need to hear. So even just the head nods of being like, I understand why you can't leave. I understand all these things. Um, it was yeah. just, I knew I was in the right place. I was like, okay, this is my tribe. This is my group of people. This is where I fit. Um, so yeah, really my codependency became solidified in that meeting, my understanding of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I think with, with me, like, I didn't really know what like things like gaslighting were. Mm-hmm. And I, when I found out what it was, I was like, Oh crap. Like that's what's going on here. Okay. Um, yeah. and just when I found out what codependency was I actually like my therapist never like she, I think she wanted me to come to the realization that that's what it was instead of just saying like, this is what yeah. it is. And I had listened to another podcast. I think it was the self-helpless podcast and they had done a codependency episode. And I listened to it because I had always thought codependency was just like just two people who were enmeshed and just couldn't like, you know, yeah. do life without each other kind of thing. And that was really what it was. And then I heard their episode on it. I was like, holy oh. shit. This is exactly, <laughs> like, yeah. this is exactly what I'm going through. But yeah. for those of like, for the listeners that are unaware, like what is the definition that you like to work off of, of codependency? Yeah. Um, for me, codependency is just when a part of you is defined by another person. So whether, you know, and honestly, not even a person, it can be your job, it can be your family. It can be your relationship. It can be a friend. And once I knew I was codependent, I realized I had codependency issues in all these aspects. But all these pieces of my life defined a part of me. And if those things were bad, I was bad. If mm-hmm. someone that I was codependent on was upset with me, I was upset with myself. Um, I struggled with self-harm for a while in my codependency. And the only time I did that was when people were upset with me. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, with work, you know, like even when work, if a boss was upset with me, I would beat myself up. And so, yeah, I just really see it as when you're not whole just as yourself. And when these other parts are what make you whole and not in like the sense that we talk about, like, you know, like you're a big piece of my heart or you complete me, but literally yeah. your self-esteem is built up on these things. I, yeah. that's what I view as codependency. Yeah, yeah. Where you're like, you're placing like all your self-worth on the opinion of another person kind of thing. Yeah. And uh-huh. if you're not solid enough on your own, that one of these things slips and you're like shaken. And I'm not saying like, you're a little upset. You're like, oh, this is something we need to work on. But you know, yeah, shaken, like panic attacks, all that kind of your whole life feels like it's crumbling around you. Um, that to me signals there's a codependency yeah. issue on whatever that thing is. And you witnessed that like firsthand, um, yeah. truly when me and my ex, like towards the end of the relationship, we got in a huge fight to where he like gaslit me and in front of all my friends and like turned the problems onto me. And even though it was no, no correlation to what the fight was actually about. Yeah. And I went into like a full fledged like panic attack and like was crying and I don't cry in front of people. And yeah. she's like witnessing this firsthand. She's like- just like, what is going on? I've never seen this before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. real. It like overcomes you. Yeah. Like you're mm-hmm. like, uh, this is not who I think I am. This is not who I want to be, but I have lost control. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I feel like what it, for me, that's what it's always rooted back to is the control thing. Because if mm-hmm. I focus on someone else's issues, then I don't want to focus on my issues and I can somewhat have totally. control over it. And right. I guess my version of, I mean, it is self-harm really is just like, whenever I was felt like I was spiraling was just not eating 
And, um, cause I felt like, well, then I can control that. I can't control like the other parts of my relationship and everything. So I'm going to do whatever I can control. So if, as long as he feels better and I'm the one suffering, then we're fine. Like totally. It's a sense of control in that, that way, I think. And I feel like I've been trying to like, uh, like explain it to you. I feel like in the best way possible and make it more like, because you have such a healthy relationship yeah. <laughs> and you've always had amazing <laughs> she's always Congrats. had very healthy relationships thank you well once I figure out it's going south I uh I always am the dumper never that's wait, amazing that's right. yeah. yeah yeah so yeah. I always just kind of get boundaries. myself yeah. yeah she knows she has she's great at boundaries exactly what I want and I'm not gonna settle codependence <laughs> not so much so no. you go girl no but but I but I I do feel like it's important to like know about it because I feel like there are people in my life that I'm like oh wait this actually like could totally correlate to like this person and like I wouldn't have known that if I mm-hmm. didn't know what it meant because I had a similar idea of like where I thought it was just like always dependent on upon a person like always had to be with them but that's not yeah. really what it sounds like so like an obsession I feel yeah, like a lot yeah. of people I, feel like, I, I mean feel it's like, like an addiction yeah, yeah it's it is really like an addiction it yeah. is yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah. a part of you like is like fiending like it's fulfilled by this outside right. source outside of yourself and you have yeah. to keep getting that fixed and when you don't that's when the spirals yeah yeah because I think I was trying to explain to you and she was trying to understand the like and get the grasp of why I felt the need to fix people in a way and fix the person I was with and I was like oh if I pay attention to his problems then I don't have to think about mine and how much of a piece of shit I think I am (laughs) and she's like you're not a piece of shit like I don't understand yeah yeah yeah. it was really hard for me to grasp but yeah yeah and your self-esteem gets so um, convoluted and codependency. Yeah. So yeah. that's where that, you know, I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> Don't want to focus on myself comes into play too. It's such yeah. a like, it's layered on it's top. Like something happens and then there's something else that goes and yeah. Yeah. Oh. But and I know like you said that you were in like this really long-term relationship and you, you work with other couples and other people who have gone through this similar thing. And I'm mm-hmm. curious to see if like this is like a universal experience or that's like with people who have struggled with codependency, but in most relationships, when people are unaware of it, do you feel like relationships are going from like zero to like a hundred and everything feels just so quick and you feel like you're just attached to this person like immediately? Or is it something that you think can happen like over a slow period of time, like in a relationship? Yeah, I think it can happen both ways. So I think a lot of it is our, you know, attachments mm-hmm. to people historically. So looking at that, because if you can, it's not necessarily one attachment type that can fall into codependency. Um, so you have to look at your own attachment and say, is this healthy? Cause some people are avoiding attachment and they're yeah. still codependent, you know, and you know, the most typical I would say is the insecure attachment. Um, and then with highly codependent people, <laughs> and that's probably when you get the like quick, the zero to 100. Cause you're just like, I'm a, I got to attach because you can't get away. Um, but you know, yep. like, <laughs> I, I have actually a family member because codependency has kind of been a, a generational thing in my family. And I have a family member who is the most avoidant attachment person and she doesn't view herself as codependent. And I just am like, it screams codependency just because you're not admitting you're in love and just because you're not committing to the relationship for like years on years now does not mean you're not codependent on someone, you know, that's mm-hmm. also your... Um, 
coping mechanism through your codependency to try to make yourself feel safe, but it doesn't mean you're not codependent. That's just how you're masking it, you know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I really think codependency, especially when you think about it beyond just relationships to jobs, to um, family members, all that kind of stuff. So many of us are codependent on our parents and we don't even ever realize it. We have a lot of enmeshment with our family systems and very unhealthy, not good boundary ways. Um, and that kind of stuff, like we've been like our mom or our dad's been a part of our life forever. You know, this isn't someone I'm just obsessed with all of a sudden, or Mm -hmm. we don't think about our relationships with our family that way, especially our like original family unit. But yeah, we can just be so codependent on them and they can be codependent on us too. Um, which is very interesting context to look at it in, you know, when like our own parents are codependent on their children. So yeah, I think it can come in many shapes and forms. And that's one of my goals with recovery is just to show how widespread this is. We just do not talk about it enough in society. Yeah. So- oh yeah. No, yeah. I, I, cause I think it's, it's so easy just to only associate this with romantic relationships yeah. and um, not really thinking about it outside of, you know, other things. Cause you can be codependent. I feel like on alcohol, you can be codependent totally. on other um, vices it's the best yeah. way I can say it, but I feel like most people, at least the way I've seen it, has just only been like almost like a love addiction in a way. Mm-hmm. Would you say that totally. that's fair to also say like it's similar to like a relationship and love addiction? Yeah. I mean, I think it can be. So like for me, when I first realized I was codependent, it went like the order of operations was like that relationship, hands down. Then I also realized I was codependent on my mom. I had a lot of insecure attachment as a child, like to the point of like screaming at kindergarten when she would try to leave the room, therapy, all that kind of stuff. And so when I like started looking back in history, I was like, okay, this has been there my whole life. I was codependent on my best friend at the time. We lived together. We worked together. We were both single. We were like dating together, even though I wasn't with this guy. I was very on and off with him. But when we were single, we were like single together. Mm-hmm. Um, so our like social life was wrapped into each other's. So I had to untangle that codependency. And then I also realized I was codependent on my job. So I had to undo that. So when I look at it in that way, it was like my entire life was <laughs> defined by, yeah. you know, like maybe the only thing I wasn't codependent on was money at that point, you know, and like, but like, it was like family, friends, relationship in my job which was pretty much my whole life at that point yeah wow when you put it in that perspective yeah it's just it's so much bigger and because I've always wondered for me it didn't stem from like a like a very early childhood thing that I feel like most people does or like because I know so many people like you said earlier like it it goes along with like your attachment styles kind Mm of um yeah and everybody says like oh well like your attachment styles are usually like curated like in your first two years of life and I'm like well I had like a really good like childhood like my parents and I are like super close like they're still together very loving and everything like that like it was pretty normal but then I realized that when I got into middle school it's when I was like severely bullied and yeah. that's where I feel like a lot of mine stemmed from because I was just like so desperate to be popular and like liked by a lot of people. Totally. Yeah. Would you say like that was probably similar for you? Was like, was more like, did it come like from your childhood or was it more like from an event later on? I think it was a mixture. So he came into my life when my parents got divorced, actually. So my parents got divorced gotcha. when I was 12. I also met him when I was 12. 
Um, I don't have a good relationship with my dad. So I, you know, I hate the term like daddy issues, but I definitely had a void that I was trying to fill for Mm -hmm. a lot of years of being like accepted by a male figure. Mm -hmm. So he was a little bit older. He was in high school when I was in middle school and we met. So he was, you know, a a male figure telling me how amazing I was and all these things I wanted to hear from my dad. So he fit that. Um, And like I said, when I look back, I can see a lot of attachment issues with my mom which I now refer to codependency so I think I was like the perfect candidate for (laughs) him you know and similarly to you you said you know with your ex he was a narcissist and so Mm -hmm. I I truly believe that narcissists or not believe I I know you know from research that narcissists seek out a certain type of individual and Mm -hmm. usually that type of individual has insecurity issues um and is more on the codependent spectrum than not, even if they don't define themselves as codependent or know that yet, but they're more susceptible to that. So it's also like, we we were probably the perfect, um, you know, victim they were yeah. looking for next. So they were like, oh, yeah. oh, she's attractive to me because she's all of these things that I need for someone to get immediately sucked into the narcissist codependent trap. Yeah. What we we both know. So yeah. yeah. He definitely, and I, looking back, like I never, like never really processed if he had codependency issues but now just like thinking of it like there's many times where I feel like he he has told me personally through an email um that (laughs) I love emails from this kind of person he emailed (laughs) me a year later like this past new year's eve we broke our podcast our podcast email yeah so I saw it first clearly listening which is like wild too oh he <laughs> left a review on the first uh after the first episode wow yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. he let he, he wanted to let me know that he started therapy and he was a fearful avoidant attachment and i was like yeah buddy i could have told you that you were fear of commitment but you also were afraid of abandonment so yeah. <laughs> no yeah. wonder we stayed together for as long as we Seriously. did because like I was so desperate to like fix him and like try to get him to commit to me but he also wasn't gonna leave because he was afraid of being abandoned so it was just like like that cycle it was so toxic stop it yeah (laughs) yes and it finally took the point where I just had he broke up with me it was probably the worst break I've ever been to like I was literally like I left the restaurant was crying on the street like fell to the ground crying so much and I was just like I can can no longer let him have this pain over me that I just blocked him on everything except email except gmail (laughs) it happened to me too it happened to me too that's always how they sneak in so (laughs) you're not alone I was like oh my god (laughs) the links the links that you went to to contact me yes I was like no like I I, and just not replying to that email I was like I have to put an end to this yeah. absolutely yeah. um but- interestingly that's how I um published my first piece of writing was because my ex creeped in through an email and it was just a single no subject so like obviously I just see his name pop up and then it says no subject I click it one word in the email and he just said why and that was it <laughs> that was it <laughs> nothing else <laughs> and Obviously, that shook me to the core. Our last conversation, um, you know, being that it was when he tried to kill himself and blame me, I had, it was two years since I had heard from him. And 
what I was like, what, what do you mean? Why, why, what, why did I move on? Why was that the last time? Why am I in a new relationship? Why did I move to a new city? Why do I have a new career? Like, it's just like my whole life is different. Like, why would it? Yeah, exactly. Is everything in me wanted to write that back. But I also knew the sick satisfaction he was going to get from any mm-hmm. response from me. Yep. So, but I was like in deep turmoil and this was kind of when recovery started to come to life for me was I couldn't be alone in this. And none of my friends necessarily were experiencing anything similar. I had mm-hmm. gone to Coda and had built good relationships there. But in a way I felt like at some point I outgrew that group a little bit. A lot of people were still kind of in their cycles, you know, and everyone's on a different journey with that. So no judgment there. I just wanted to be able to kind of spread where I was at, the awareness I had built um, with a community of people. And I felt like this was the moment that defined how far I had come because I didn't write back to him. um, But I I chose to write back, just not directly to him. And I chose to publish my response on the internet, which made me feel like I was taking all the power back. I'm like, you want to ask me why? I'll tell you why. And I will let the whole world see it. Yep. Yep. Which is exactly... I love this because we have so much in common Um, because of what I did. I wrote a whole short film um, and just shot it last month. And that's why he, thank you. And that's why he emailed me because he found out about it. And I was like, I'm not going to reply to you because that's what you want. You want a response. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to write the film because I was like, this is my way of taking back my power for this relationship. And then we're just going to enter it to Sundance and try to win an Oscar for it and just ultimately (laughs) take the power back. (laughs) All the power. Yes, girl. I love that. That's amazing. And that's so powerful. And I feel like that's what females need to be doing. Yes, absolutely. I feel like we're finally in the societal place where girls are no longer being, or females, you know, are no longer being shamed for their experiences with this, but Mm -hmm. we still live in so much fear. And I get that fear. Like, trust me, every time I publicly talk about this, I'm like slightly always ready for the backlash. We can't talk. What's that word? Backflash? Backslash? Backlash. Yeah, you know. Backlash. There you go. Backlash. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm like, I can't talk now. I'm always ready for it, though. And whether that be from, like, random internet trolls or, you know, my ex literally being like, no, shut up. You're wrong. Once again, used to the gaslighting. So mm-hmm. I still have those, like, limiting fears in the back of my mind. But the more I do speak out, the more women are like, yes, yes. Like, I've been through this. Um And so I'm like, there is so much power in this, you know, like there is so much power in coming out and like changing how we define our own stories and letting them be like, I gained, I gained so much from this. You didn't wreck me. You didn't make me powerless. You actually showed me how freaking powerful I am. And like, you lit that flame and like, watch me blow up now because (laughs) it's my time to shine from all this, literally. So yeah, I think that's amazing that you're, what you're doing so much with your story. It's so powerful. Yeah. I mean, you've done the same thing. I think it's just, I think it's great and so empowering that you were able to take like your experience and try to help like other women, like literally like through coaching, like, and through your podcast and, and allowing them to come on and like share their stories Totally, and give them that voice to kind of um just not feel like they're alone and I people can relate to their stories and they can just take back their power by voicing them their own experiences and it's very therapeutic in a way because I do want to talk about like the um the coda because yeah there's um I did not I did not realize uh how 
many different ways people were dealing with this because I was lucky Mm -hmm. enough to just be able to already be in therapy when it started and just kind of work through it that way. Um, And I'm I'm sadly no longer in it and I wish I was, but um, my therapist um, is no longer available to me. So (laughs) the worst kind of relationship to end. It is. (laughs) Like I Um, need you. (laughs) You're my new codependent relationship in a real way. (laughs) Real. So like I had to actually be like, okay, what would Stephanie tell me to do like what what does she do but I didn't realize until a little bit later that I learned more about it that there are like these 12-step programs that people get Mm -hmm. into and everything um the one that you were in was like specifically like for relationships or were people like also dealing like with other issues within codependency yeah so it was all thing all the things so yeah so specifically a coda so like very traditional coda.org 12-step program um what I thought was really neat about it was it was all women it was actually took place because you know these meetings can be weird I've been to more than one I'm lucky I live in California because some of them are like amazingly cool and then that like on the beach on the sand next to the waves kind of thing yeah Um, yeah total (laughs) vibe that's awesome and then other ones are like weird like trashy like run down like warehouses like right? <laughs> yeah you like drive up and you're like ah! and there's like 200 people in the room and I'm like rather not you know like yeah. everyone's like raising their hands being like I want to talk I want to talk um it's so, like yeah. in a back room of like a YMCA or like, something exactly. like a, like a, like a, a church basement yes. like a church basement <laughs> yes because they're all you know like member run and member funded because it's a nonprofit. so mm-hmm. just depending on you know the kind of people you're getting you're getting a lot of different um either donations or not um <laughs> so yeah some have like snacks some don't I've been to one with literally movie stars, which was really cool when I lived in West wow. Hollywood. Yeah, it was like, obviously they're anonymous, so I would never say any names. Yeah, obviously, but, um, yeah. Really fun. My boyfriend now, healthy relationship, supports me in them, so he he comes occasionally and once the one time he went there was like celebrities in there and I was like what like, like <laughs> the course. coolest experience and of course that one they had like cucumber water you know like yeah you're like you're you know, okay so I'm not going to the ghetto ones <laughs> he's, um, he's like what this, so this is where you go <laughs> right right this is therapy yeah exactly and this one had like meditation it was amazing um so yeah, first. So I'm advice. moving to California in the summer. So I'm gonna hit you up about that location <laughs> yes, and where to go yes. to. <laughs> I'll send you all the good ones. Perfect. But that's my first <laughs> advice to anyone looking for meetings: is to try them out. They are not all the same. They yeah. are so different, pending who's leading them, the location, the vibe of the group of people, if they're co-ed or not. If some of them are like literally step meetings where you're going to go over step one, that mm. meeting and other ones are just share meetings where everyone's just talking about their own experiences. So I, the, actually the very, very first meeting I ever went to was the most awkward thing of my entire life. And I'm glad that I didn't let that meeting define my experience with CODA because I don't think I would be in the position I'm in today. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone back and given it a second try at a different location and meeting. Oh yeah, I can imagine because I would yeah. I, I just stand in front of a bunch of people like, "Hi, I'm Emily." Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like that. It is like that's where you, I got Hi, so Emily. comfortable with saying like, and I would go by my full name a lot. My full name is Alexandra, but I would be like, "Hi, I'm Alexandra, codependent," you know. And then after you're there like a year, you're like recovering codependent because you catch on. That's what everyone else is saying, um, and it does become a little bit of your identity in a way if, yeah. once you keep going and showing up and like doing the work, which is 
you know, they make promises. And I'm, like I said, I am very grateful for CODA. There's things that I learn from it and use, and there's other things I just completely like disregarded. Um, because a lot of people's hang up is that it is a faith based thing. And I'm yeah. personally, am not religious and I don't, I consider myself more spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, so the God part can like hang up a lot of people, but I just chose to replace the word God with like universe every time. Cause I yeah. definitely believe in energy and like the power of uni- the universe and manifestation, your thoughts, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah. I've heard other people refer to it like as like whatever your higher power Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I I even tell clients like working with them, you know, not even for 12 stuff, but I'm like, it it is important. You have some sort of higher power. And if that higher power is you and you're like, I'm weak right now. And I want to look at the highest version of myself and be like, that is who I'm talking to. Like Mm -hmm. ask your highest version of yourself for the things that you want to manifest in your life. So yeah, that's also really important that people don't get scared away just because it is a traditional 12 step and usually 12 steps are built in faith but yeah the one I went to was super or more consistently went to because I tried a few of them um was definitely just an open women's share kind of meeting yeah because I feel like when the best way like I was trying to have described it to other people is like with the whole 12 step program like and the best way to how you would probably just like describe recovery being like your higher power when you're in a codependent relationship is that other person mm-hmm, and trying totally. to find something else to replace it with, whether it is like God, the universe, yourself, yeah. something yeah. other. And, you know, for some people, like it being like alcohol or sex or right. food and other ways like that being their higher power. And those are also vices that you can be codependent on because for me, I found like those were the other, like I luckily was never and this is one reason why I also don't drink is that much is because I knew that if I did, I was afraid of, this is how I am in relationships. I'm afraid yeah. that I'm going to get that way with alcohol and drugs yeah. and things like that. So I was totally. like, it was always weird for me to tell people that like when I turned 21, they're like, why aren't yeah. you drinking? And I'm just like, I am scared of who I totally. could be. Totally. And I relate I to that a ton. I was yeah. straight edge or, you know, straight edge, like little scene kids, straight edge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Um, until I was like 22 23 and I same fears um my mom was an alcoholic though so I definitely knew without a doubt addiction ran in my family so alcohol Mm -hmm. scared the shit out of me um and yeah I'm like I know I can fall into that so quickly and that's why I keep the recovering on you know that title like I do consider myself a recovering codependent because at any time if I let myself I could easily fall back into codependency and I'm in a relationship you know and who's to say that if I don't maintain my recovery process that I won't just fall back into codependent tendencies it's always a possibility and that's just how I view it. Um, whether it's, you know, like you said, food or anything else, it's once we know we're capable of it, it's like, it's, it's going to stay in you. You're always capable of it. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you've done the work 15 years, it's still a possibility. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like, I went through therapy and like, you know, left my therapist and I like, we were, we broke up in in May and this, in May of 2020, it's like the worst possible time amidst the pandemic and everything. (laughs) And like I was just starting to see someone and I was like, okay, like I can do this. Like, I'm fine. Like 
I know what codependency is now. We're good. We can set boundaries. Yeah. And I'm like, oh fuck. Okay. Now we're, yeah. um, um, I'm starting to notice certain things and I don't totally. know what to do. Um, and yeah. thinking like it's I hard. have, yeah. And this, there, there's just moments where you think you have complete control of the situation. You think you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're safe. You're okay. Like you think that you're fine. And then just slowly, I think, and unconsciously, there's just moments where you realize, oh fuck, like I'm, we're in this now. And like, I'm a little too deep now and I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to figure out like how to get out of it. And it's something where I have to realize now in my life that it's something I have, I can't just like subconsciously like keep in the back of my mind. I have to actively and consciously, especially in relationships because that's where it might, that's Mm -hmm. my main vice. Like that is where I have to be very aware of it because like I just finished seeing someone at the end of last year and immediately my first instinct is to hit up somebody else that I know that Mm -hmm. I could um, entertain and I could just use as a distraction. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Or like immediately go through a breakup and the, like I ended the things with the doctor. I, we broke up on a Thursday. I went on a date Saturday. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I feel you. I feel you. Don't judge me there because I know that feeling. I've been there. I was like, this is, I thought that was fine. I was like, oh, look at me moving on. I was like, no, it's just, it's not yeah. moving on at all. It's just delaying the inevitable. Totally. And well, that's where even when I said like me and my best friend who we were codependent on each other were like dating, but I also said I was in a long-term relationship. I'm like, yeah, it kind of coexisted because we'd be in that relationship or on and off. And when we were off, I wasn't like, I'm gonna fix myself. I mean, I would say that to him and say that to myself, but mm-hmm. yeah, I would go on a date that weekend, you know, like, so yeah, I'd yeah. go out with friends and find a guy to make me feel like I was valuable again. Cause I yep. felt not valuable because being my ex were on off. So yeah, I was constantly seeking that like dopamine hit mm-hmm. off of the next male who was honestly to me. <laughs> yeah because it literally it's like it's just like a drug because it's like your your brain is yeah. like okay like we've hit like this rock bottom now and we need another dopamine hit like we need it now and so searching for that next thing of validation whether it is an alcohol so you don't yeah. have to process like your thoughts about how shitty you think you are and how yep. much how unlovable you think you are it's a really like bright and sunny episode I mean really (laughs) I I mean it's so funny now that I have a whole brand on it you know because I'm like this shit can be so dark and depressing but like I promise you the light is so bright you know yeah it's not it doesn't always have to be dark and depressing um it gets better it's just when you're in the midst of it or when you're in the discovery phase of it when you're like oh shit this is what I'm dealing with like yeah it's dark so I totally feel that so I've seen um a couple of your your posts like you've done on Instagram and everything about like not only just like codependency but like the toxic relationship cycles of you know constantly like going back to each um like your ex or whatever something you've also experienced (laughs) yeah I can say that I have done that yeah it's a a trap yeah what are like what would you advise somebody who like has that temptation like to go back to their ex like what would you like in your coaching and everything like what are you like helping your clients with who had that temptation and you're trying like like, not to cave into it because it is so easy like in those moments to cave it yeah so I look at it as a habit you know it's a bad habit and that's how I break it down for clients because if we think of it as okay this is just a habit it's a subconscious coping mechanism I feel like I'm gonna go back because there's there's really a root of something that's popping up and that's why you go back um I tell them 
you need to make new habits. You literally have to break it down to that simple of a thing. And I know that sounds so oversimplified with it, but if your habit is to text your ex, come up with a replacement behavior. Make a list of 10 things that you can do instead of texting your ex. And I literally tell my clients to do this. Like we literally make these lists of 10 things. And the reason why it's 10 is because you might go one through nine and be like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that because we're all, (laughs) we love self-sabotaging, you know? So we want to be like, no, I want to text him. And that's what I want to do. I don't want to do anything else on this list, but we are going to make 10 things that are one healthy and two going to just reroute your thinking. You need a second to reset before you default to that behavior and make sure, yes, this is what I really want to do. So whether that be call a friend, take a self-care bath, um, go on a run, you know, it's different for every person, but making a list of 10 things that are going to pull you out of just that habitual moment of falling back into that and making you really think about it is my absolute best tool I feel like that I can give clients and that's obviously a moment thing so if that doesn't if that's like okay you're doing that all the time but you're still getting that gut instinct to get back into the relationship you have to build an accountability system and a support system Mm -hmm. so you need to tell a friend I'm struggling with this whether it's a friend when your situation is great you're a therapist whether it's a coach someone has to know and you have to be really real with them and tell them I feel like I'm in a toxic relationship. I feel like I'm codependent. I feel like I'm in an abusive relationship, whatever it is. And I can't get myself out of it and tell them I need your help because so many of the times our friends just don't realize how deep we are in it. And our friends, we put them in a really bad place. We want them to support us. We want them to be happy for us. Um, but it, you know, they, they don't often know the full story of what's going on. Mm -hmm. So by building an accountability and support system of, I don't care if it's one person or five people, whatever you need for you to say, I'm going to text you when I'm getting to that point, or I'm going to talk to you first and we're going to troubleshoot this together. And your friend doesn't have to be trauma informed or a specialist or anything like that. They just have to be someone who you can call and you can say, I'm really struggling today because so many of the, so, so many times with clients that I work with, they don't have that person. They've Mm -hmm. almost become so isolated in their relationship. And there's a lot of shame in these relationships that they don't even want to call their friends at that point. They don't want to tell their friends it's bad again. So we try to handle it all ourselves. We often don't know what's best for us, especially in those moments where emotions are high. So by building accountability and support, you're so much more likely to get out. Um, That was the huge thing for me. Once I had Coda every Tuesday and I started building relationships with those women, I didn't want to go in on a Tuesday, which was specifically when my coded meeting was, and be like, yep, so I called him, you know, like, I was just like, I do not want to say this, and I was also going to therapy, and I was also starting to be really honest with my friends about the, you know, emotional and psychological abuse I was going through at the time, and I was like, I don't, I don't even want this anymore, and by starting to tell people and having to say it out loud as often as I started doing it just kept like one day turned into five days, five days turned into 10 days. Mm -hmm. I realized I hadn't talked to him in three months in six months in a year. Like when I got that year chip, which I totally understand their like reward system in Coda, I was so excited. I was like (laughs) a year. I haven't talked to him because I had talked to him since I was 12, you know, like a year was a big celebration. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, every single time I realized I was hitting those milestones, I really look back and I'm like, it was because my accountability system and my support system became more important to me than my relationship with him. And I needed something that carried more weight and it became them. Eventually it became me, which is obviously what I work up to with every single client um, and in myself, you know, we want, we want to not fall into these habits because we know mm-hmm. it's bad for us. We know it's not healthy. We, we just know we deserve more. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to get there. So build the accountability and the support system to help you until you can be your own reason to not yeah. fall back into that toxic relationship. Absolutely. I think that's one thing I'm very fortunate enough to have this podcast and then have her as well too because there's so many moments where like the last like relationship I was in it wasn't so like codependent or anything like that but like when we broke up I was like I wasn't ready for it to be over I still have feelings for this person and I'm like well I know they're gonna come back because every guy I've ever dated has come back um and he's a man as well too um (laughs) I just know how he works but it's like as much as like so much of myself would want to take him back because I just you know, had these overwhelming feelings for him. I told her, I was like, anytime I say anything good about him, just remind me of how it reminds these like little things that he did. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just, I, it doesn't, I don't over romanticize him because the, I, the part of me that is so infatuated with him is who he was at the beginning of the relationship. And it's, totally. I therefore created a person off of that, um, yeah. who he was at the beginning and not who he actually is. And just reminding myself, like, it's only a temporary bliss. It's Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like I have to sleep with myself at the end of the night. I'm with myself for the rest of my life and remind myself that like, okay, these are your core values. Yeah. They have already like mistreated like all five of those probably. Right. Right. (laughs) Why would you want to be back? Why would you want to be back with somebody who already showed you who they are by disrespecting those core values that you have for yourself? Right. And just keeping, I, I think for me, it's been just keeping that in the forefront of my mind. Like, what do yeah. I, like, what do I utmost value? And once like you've crossed that line, like I, I have to love myself more than I have, than I love you. And it's yeah. not, I, none of this is easy. Totally. And yeah, it's I, a lot of work. We have a lot of listeners that have, they begged us to do the first codependency episode. They were like, we need That's this. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it just took to the point where I was like, I just, I I had been ready to talk about it. I didn't know how to put it into words, I think, yet at the time. Yeah. And then I just got to a point where I was like, we're doing the episode. We're doing the episode. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. And like you said, even the podcast will do accountable now, you know, like yeah. having yeah. to show up for, and if I want to say show up for yourself, but I know that when you're in the depths of this stuff, you don't care about yourself enough to show yep. up for yourself. Yeah. So make it so that you have to show up for someone else, some outside source that's no longer that person who's going to hold up that mirror for you and show you this is who you're being and this is not who you want to be because sometimes we just don't see it when we're in the you know cycle of it all yeah there are moments where I was between relationships where there was this one person that I purely was only using for validation like I had no actual interest in this person like I did not want to date this person I was just like using using it for the validation because I was just needing that dopamine hit and I learned things about this person that are not good like not a good person at all (laughs) and I got to a point where I was at a very low moment I was like I need a dopamine hit I'm gonna go see this person 
And I was like, I can't, I'm not going to tell Hannah. Like, I'm just, I'm not going to tell her I'm seeing this person. (laughs) And the next day I saw her and I was like, I saw him. I I can't lie to you. (laughs) I love it. And she's like, (laughs) okay. And if only you would have told her beforehand, you know, that's a sign. Exactly. That's a signal. Yes. And that's a signal to yourself, you know? So rebuilding that trust and that intuition and almost that honesty with yourself. Like you have to get really honest in this Mm -hmm. process. And if you would have been honest with yourself in that moment and been like, I don't want to tell Hannah, that means I probably should tell her. Exactly. You would have changed it. Exactly. You would have changed it. Your yeah. would I would have, have been changed, at your you know? door, like, getting my oh, car. Literally, she, exactly. would have, she would have seen my location yeah. on iMessage and immediately called me and been like, bitch, why are you, where, you, where why? I'm coming? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, for me too, so interestingly, once I started on this journey, I met my boyfriend and I, the, our first date, I told him I'm codependent. I go to Coda, you know, like this mm-hmm. is who I am. And he was the biggest freaking supporter of it. And mm-hmm. I'm very lucky about that. But I mm-hmm. always tell people too, like, because you struggle with this stuff, it doesn't mean you can't date. It doesn't mean you can't be in a relationship. You just have to be just as honest with that person as you are with yourself. And if they <laughs> cannot accept, yeah. So if that's where you're at, I'm telling you, it will, it will catapult you into a next level of not only understanding yourself, but also who you're meant to be with. Yeah. Because if, True. if that yeah. person can't accept you for these things right off the bat, Fair. you're wasting your freaking time. You know, Fair. there's yes. no point in it because 100%. like you talked about, you're going to struggle with it. It's going to come yeah. up in your relationship at some point. And if you're feeling like you're finally like, you know, taking the elephant out of the closet kind of thing, being like, I struggle with this versus you just being like, I'm feeling unsafe. I'm, yeah, I- I'm triggered. I'm having a codependent behavior come up. When you can say those things to the person you're in a relationship with, it's a game changer. And they then become your accountability system yeah. along the yeah. way. Um, and obviously making sure that's a healthy relationship because this should never get used against you in any way. Um, so no one should ever be telling you you're codependent, you're this, you're that, because that turns into your new unhealthy relationship. But still it's a huge, you know, it's a huge signal that you are in a healthy relationship when you can be open about this. Yeah. Upfront. This is like who I am. Yeah. The fact that like my first thought was, oh God, what do they think I'm needy? And it's like, of course, that's not the person you're supposed to be with. But then like thinking about like in that way of an issue coming up in the relationship and then just going to that person being like, I'm feeling really codependent right now. Like I'm, and and, and addressing it, like it just makes it so much, I feel like more approachable for me at least and feel like it's something that I can be more honest about and not feel like I have to hide this part of me and just like stifle it down and just shut it down. And just so they don't think ill will of me or anything like that. Um, I love that mindset. Hannah as your support is amazing, but one day you're going to have to like find a new support, you know? Yeah, because I'm so going like, to move to California and yeah, move across. going to be all the way on the other side. Of the freaking- <laughs> well, if you're, if you're coming to LA, I'll be your accountability buddy. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Hannah will have like a private text group, we'll just, and she'll be like, check yeah. on her, check yeah, on her now. Like, um, check on her, Allie. Check yeah, her. yeah, yeah. She's up to something. Ask her where she's at. Check her location. <laughs> location uh, is off. Find her. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'll be like in Malibu somewhere, and you're like, no. <laughs> Malibu's not far. I got you. <laughs> I'll, I'll know when you're at all the fancy restaurants, you know, with the new flavor of the week and your yep. kids. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, but yeah, it's real. So, that's also advice that I give to all my clients like, be 
tell your partners, have these tough conversations. It will catapult you into the next part of your, you know, self-discovery journey and it'll just make your relationship so much healthier. Well, I love, I love that. I feel like that's, it makes like a great, we always end every episode, like with a survival tip, but I feel like that that is a perfect (laughs) one right there. (laughs) That is it. Well, we have absolutely loved having you on the show and have thoroughly enjoyed this like trust me I could go on and on about this like <laughs> for hours, for hours. <laughs> because I it, when you find out how much it plagues your life like when you realize it like you, you just want to dissect everything that mm-hmm. has ever happened to you and just like is this like the root cause of it and everything and I always encourage people we always encourage people on this podcast therapy because yeah. um if you can afford it it is the best thing in the entire world like even if you don't think you have problems totally everybody needs therapy <laughs> yeah. I feel um, on that. and i i hope that like you know this episode has allowed people like you know those, especially the ones who really wanted to hear the codependency episode has allowed them to you know hear more than just me um yeah. and get someone else's perspective of it and someone who is helping people like yeah. on your own podcast and in your coaching and everything and yeah. working with these women um to overcome uh something that I feel like more people just need to talk about and just need to be more aware of in order to uh, yeah. have these better and more healthy relationships because we're done with the toxicity and we're done yeah. um, with we're second a guessing new level of awareness in society. So it's time to just like embrace it, whatever toxic cycles coming up for us and tackle it head on. Cause I truly believe only once we're able to let go of those old habits and cycles that have been holding us back, are we able to live a life that's truly aligned for us. And that's Absolutely. when we come into the truth of who we are and who we're meant to be. But we got to like clean all that bullshit out first. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, yes. thank you guys for letting yes. me be on today. <laughs> yes. Well, let all the gals know where they can find you, all your socials, everything, drop it all for us. Yeah. So Instagram right now is the best place. So the handle is at R-E-C-O-V period h e r period y and then i also have the podcast where i interview other women struggling with codependency toxic cycles of their own that's on spotify breaker soon to be on apple podcast and that is the recovery spelled the same way podcast and yeah those are my two main channels right now and if anyone's interested in coaching i um, love to support women through this stuff so if you resonated at all send me a dm and we can set up a conversation yeah, and we will have all of uh, her links in our show notes for you guys to check out and also on our um, Instagram and everything. And so that does it for today's episode of The Gals Guide. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Gals Guide Pod. Also like us on Facebook at The Gals Guide and become a Gal Scout in our Facebook community. You can also hit us up on our website, thegalsguidepod.com and on our personal social media, which will be linked in the show notes. Also, make sure you guys check out Allie on her social media, which will be in the show notes as well. And then please leave us a quick little review on iTunes and Apple Podcast. It really does help us out. So thanks for listening, gals, and we hope you come back for our next journey. Save.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.